Final week of the month of February. We are back in with the nation's college basketball show and podcast. Hello there and welcome to College Basketball Coast to Coast. I am your somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. I've enlisted some great guests. Not one of them, not two of them, but three of them to help me break down, dissect, analyze all of the importance of college basketball for this week. Do you realize, do you understand the calendar becomes March on Sunday, the final days of February right here. And we already saw some March-like upsets on Saturday night, including the undefeated San Diego State Aztecs losing, obviously, for the first time all year, losing at home to UNLV, a double-digit underdog in their Mountain West Conference matchup game. Also, uh, almost simultaneous to that loss, about an hour later, Gonzaga beaten by BYU in Provo. That one a little more understandable with BYU being a top 25 team. Very raucous environment uh, there in Provo as they were able to get the win. So uh, one of the questions that we're asking right now, how much did that damage Gonzaga? How much did it damage San Diego State for number one seed purposes? Does it end up bouncing one or both of them to the two line before it's all said and done? We're going to ask one of our guests straight ahead, Chris Dobertine of bloggingthebracket.com, that very question, what does he have right now for his number one seeds? How much did the upsets of San Diego State and Gonzaga hurt them? Who else does he have there on the one line? Chris also loves the in and out game that we play with certain teams. We're going to be talking specifically about NC State, Providence, Texas, UCLA. We'll see what Chris thinks of all of those programs right now at the moment, midweek. Are they in or are they out? Uh, Again, Chris Dobertine is going to be straight ahead. Then Matt Zimmick will be with me. I love Matt's uh, insight on the college game. Specifically, we'll talk about a couple of programs that he's very familiar with, writing a bunch about and covering the USC Trojans out west in the Pac-12. He's part of the coverage for the USA Today family of websites uh, with the Trojan Wire website. And also the Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin. What's going to happen with Greg Gard's team Uh, They have a a midweek game at Michigan. We'll talk with Matt about that game, about their finish, uh, and about the Badger standing. And again, Matt uh, does work with Badger Wire there, the USA Today website. And Matt also wants to talk some foul shooting before we're done. Free throw shooting, who's doing it well, who's not doing it as well. It is Free Throw Awareness Month that is coming. Uh, We remind you to check out uh, the Free Throw Awareness t-shirts that we have at T Public. That's one of the sponsors here as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast. Go to T-E-E-T-Public.com. Look under Free Throw Awareness Month uh, for the Free Throw Awareness shirts that we have coming for March. Uh, again, if you're a, if you're a fan of a school that does not shoot foul shots well, you have to hide your eyes every March because it can be the ultimate undoing the end to your season. So Matt, Matt's going to talk about that. Might surprise you who is the best foul shooting team among the Power Five conferences right now. It might surprise you midweek to learn who it is. Uh, and who are some of the worst ones as well? We'll talk with Matt about all of those subjects in a little bit. And then Mark Wise will close the podcast out. Love the analyst, a former Purdue and South Florida assistant who's been with me uh, going on about 15 years now, working at SiriusXM, Fox Sports Radio, TuneIn, and this podcast all through uh, the month of March, all the way to the Final Four. Love Mark's insight. Mark will be working the SEC Network game, South Carolina, Georgia, midweek on that cable channel. On the weekend, the ESPN fan of networks Tulsa UCF Tulsa still trying to be in first place in the American Conference an upstart team right now on the outside looking in probably for the NCAA tournament but they could help themselves greatly in the final couple of weeks of the regular season conference tournament for the American Conference upcoming as well what will Tulsa do on the neutral floor with the likes of Cincinnati Houston Wichita State Memphis SMU those kind of teams they do get cracks at Temple at Wichita State next week so Mark will talk a little Tulsa and a little American Conference, and he'll have the three wise men. Very interesting list for the three wise men for this week uh, as well. A reminder, however you found this podcast, subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, on Spreaker, uh, etc. It's College Basketball Coast to Coast. Subscribe. The podcast comes automatically to you, whether we're in the preview mode coming off the weekend, uh, whether we're in the preview mode or kind of the recap midweek and previewing the weekend upcoming later in the week as we'll be doing with the NCAA tournament. 
if you subscribe, you automatically get the show to your handheld device, to your phone, to your uh, handheld, uh, your iPhone, your Android, whatever, your iPad. Go subscribe on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify to College Basketball Coast to Coast and find us. Follow us as well on social media at CBB Coast to Coast with the number two. At CBB Coast, the number two coast. And you can follow us on social media to keep track of all that we're doing with college basketball coast to coast. So we got some great guests lined up, some insight, what's going to happen in the stretch run in conferences like the Big East, the Big 12, uh, the SEC, the ACC, on and on, the Big 10, the Pac-12, the Mountain West, the American. We're here to talk all about it. Uh, It is the best time of the year upcoming in March. The do or die 40 minutes. You're either in and moving on or you're out and going home with your season over in the month of March. We're ready to discuss it all with our guests here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Let's get rolling here for the final uh, time midweek in February as uh, we get our guests up here to give us some insight and some analysis right now. As promised, he is back. It's getting good. We're almost done with February. We can see March from where we are. It will be here coming this weekend. And this man is always blogging the bracket. Bloggingthebracket.com's Chris Dobertine from the SB Nation uh, family of sites, uh, social media, etc. Love his insight. Getting really good. And we got more games to pay attention to midweek. How are you, sir? Uh, just trying to grasp the, the, the winding and ever-changing aspects yep. of this, this this year's bubble and, and just kind of the frank weirdness that's kind of going around in college basketball right well, now. The kind of anybody-can-beat-anybody thing reared its head again this past weekend. I have already briefly mentioned about the upset wins by UNLV and by BYU out west. But, hey, even the Kansas victory was a true upset. They were an underdog. Uh, on the Vegas line, they were at Baylor, at, at a team that had won 23 games in a row. So uh, we we saw three significant games involving teams that could be number one seeds that were all upsets uh, for this weekend. We, uh, okay, just a point blank off the cuff. Which one surprised you more, Kansas over Baylor, UNLV winning at San Diego State, or BYU taking out Gonzaga at home? I just say UNLV San Diego State only because, yeah, they played a close game at the Thomas and Mackerel in the season, but San Diego State has just been so unbeatable, you know, at home, not just this year, but, you know, that, you know, the show, Viejas Arena, it's just, you know, it's, it's, you know, it is one of the most intimidating atmospheres in all of college basketball at this point. And to me, that's the fact that really was the most surprising thing that they lost that game. You know, you kind of figure Gonzaga was going to have a hard time at BYU. Yes. You know, a very talented Cougar squad. And to me, Kansas-Baylor, even though it wasn't Waco, really felt kind of like a coin flip. Because, again, the whole talk of, you know, you felt like Baylor was due to lose one at some point. And, you know, Kansas is just such a talented team. Yeah, I, to me, it's the, the loss in the Mountain West for the Aztecs. And, and Kansas revenge in their case, you know that, and that's Kansas's yeah. last loss. They've now won 10 straight since Baylor beat them in Lawrence. Yeah. And back to UNLV, a double-digit underdog. Do you subscribe to the theory before we get into the bracket, who's in, who's out, that stuff, that it's not necessarily a bad thing? I totally understand. I say this every year, Chris, so I'm saying it again. I'm not saying teams should go into games late in February saying we need to lose one. I'm not saying throw one. Everybody's hearing me clearly. I'm not saying don't lose on purpose. What I'm saying is, is it the worst thing in the world when you're 26-0 and and everybody's wondering if you can get to 29-0 and or 31-0 and for you to go ahead and take a loss where everybody stops asking you and paying attention to, are you undefeated? What do you think? I, I think it's never a good thing to lose a game. You always want to win. You always want to have that confidence boost. So, you know, when you have a nice long winning streak and you have that history of, you know, being able to, to, to record wins and you have that track record, yeah, losing one might not be too bad in the long run. But, yeah, I think that just winning is always better than losing. 
I just mean on an unbeaten season. I mean, more so than Baylor winning 23 in a row, for example, or somebody else. Because all of the media, as this thing continues to build at the Mountain West Tournament in Vegas, all the questions are going to be about perfect season. Uh, Then then you get to the NCAA Tournament, and all the questions are going to be about Kentucky getting to the Final Four undefeated, Indiana being the last team to be undefeated. Mm -hmm. You get none of that now, obviously. That that, that is now out there. You You don't get bothered with that. And you are allowed to fly a little bit under the radar when that happens, which is definitely a benefit, especially when you're, again, a program that's not really used to the national attention to that level. Yeah, very true. Okay, so for you here, Mr. Blogging the Bracket, did that really cost uh, Gonzaga or San Diego State in particular? San Diego State, yes, losing to an unranked team at home. Did it really cost them right now in your seating process as you look things over? What do you think? At the moment, no. The four are still there, though. Granted, Kansas did jump Baylor for that number one spot overall. Maryland had a shot to go in there and bump San Diego State off. Of course, they lost to Ohio State on Sunday, which really kind of hurt them. And then one of the other things to look at was comparing Dayton and San Diego State. San Diego State has three top 30 wins. Dayton's best wins are over teams that are currently seated ninth and 11th in my bracket. There's not really a comparison there right now. So San Diego State still hangs around. But they're going to get pressed by Maryland, by Duke, and by Florida State in particular as we kind of head down the last couple of weeks. Voice of Chris Dobbertine. You follow him on social media at D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N. Chris Dobbertine, all one thing, uh, from the SB Nation Blogging the Bracket website. Go to bloggingthebracket.com. He's constantly updating the games to watch, the bracket that he has. I know you were saying to me before I hit the record button, you got to ask me about the four line. you got to ask me about the four line. Okay, I'm asking you about the four line. What about the four seeds? What's going on? Why is it relevant in your bracket projections right now? Well, it kind of goes along the lines of why San Diego State gets the edge over Dayton in that, you know, you don't want a single result or, in the case of Penn State, you know, two losses last week to really kind of outweigh the overall body of work. And a big reason why San Diego State has that final number one seed over, you know, Dayton in particular is their overall body of work. And it's a similar story on that four line where right now the four teams are Kentucky, who won two games last week and is now in charge of the SEC race. We can, you know, be fairly confident in saying um, Oregon, who split their two games, Colorado, who split their two games at home, losing to UCLA, who we'll talk about later. And then you have Penn State, who lost twice. And they're all there on the four line still. Penn State's there. Oregon remains there for another week, just like the Nittany Lions. Colorado's moved up, actually, a spot. But that's because you kind of look at what those teams have compared to the teams sitting behind them on the five line. Michigan State has a very, you know, very mediocre record against quad one teams. Iowa, has done very well against quad one teams, but has some more questionable losses. Arizona doesn't have as many quality wins. Then you have West Virginia, who's lost five of their last mm. six games, dropped all the way from a three seed to a five seed. And yeah, body of work are why Oregon and Penn State and Colorado are on that four line as opposed to that other those other teams. You know, when really it looks like they their their weeks didn't compare to what Kentucky did, and that's a very important thing to keep in mind. That yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to take one loss too seriously when you're looking at things. You know, keep in mind the quality of the opponent, and keep in mind the quality of the team's overall work over the past, you know, 15 weeks of the season. Well, and I know an argument from Kentucky fans would be, okay, what more did you want us to do? We went and won at LSU. We beat we beat Florida, who's a top uh, five, let's say top six at the worst SEC team at home. Uh, yeah, it was a fairly close game. We shouldn't move down for that. <laughs> Excuse me, we yeah. shouldn't move down for that. But by the same token, what's going on around you? Did somebody have a more significant win or two in and around that week? That also plays in. So uh, it, it's not just, my point is just in general, it's not just what have you done over the last seven days, couple of games. It's what are those doing around you? And that's going to become a more chaotic, bigger deal kind of avalanche championship week because what you do on a neutral floor, let's say on Thursday and Friday, may not be what three other teams did on a neutral floor on Thursday or Friday, right? Yes, especially since we're getting to the point of the season now where we're seeing more and more teams with eight losses and nine losses, and those are going to soon turn into... 10 and 11 losses and we're going to have to again keep track of how Mm -hmm. many double digit loss teams we have in the field 
because when you go to these 20 game conference schedules, you're baking in, you know, another couple, you know, another loss or two from pretty much every team at a power conference. And we're going to start to have those really, you know, lackluster records starting to become a real factor as we get down in the final couple weeks of the season. I love this insight again on college basketball, coast to coast, uh, wherever you found us through a social media link, et cetera, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Google podcast, uh, on and on down the list, Spreaker, wherever you found the podcast, subscribe away. Chris Dobertine is giving me some insight. I promise we're going to play in or out uh, in a couple of moments with several different teams. This is what uh, Chris does. But it's fascinating here at the end of this season to start looking at, at a couple of these matchups. So before we get to specific teams, a couple of games that are intriguing right now. Let's start with Tuesday uh, night. Uh, and in particular, you're pointing to that Iowa-Michigan State game, top half of the Big Ten here, where Michigan State gets Iowa at home in this matchup. We got our eyes on that one. That's the only game. Game, uh, of two top 25 teams playing on Tuesday. We got our eyes on that one, obviously. And Chris, you've got your eyes on a couple of other ones as well. Yeah, another big one. Uh, Nine o'clock on SEC Network, Alabama, Mississippi State, because Alabama's the first team out. Mississippi State right now is the fifth team out. Alabama's already beaten the Bulldogs once in Tuscaloosa and won in that game pretty handily, but obviously going to Starkville's a, a completely different story. And then nine o'clock on ESPN, NC State visits Chapel Hill to take on the Tar Heels, and they've already lost to UNC in Raleigh, and NC State's currently the second-to-last team in the field. If they lose that game, they you know could very well drop out. Mm. All right, and, and North Carolina, uh, again, has plummeted, but they, they've got a chance to damage others uh, if they can get a win. Wednesday night, I'm curious, one of the first games is St. John's and Villanova, that one in Philly. Uh, in, in the Big East, and the Big East has tightened up uh, as well with Villanova chasing Seton Hall for the one seed at Madison Square Garden. Eyes also on Rutgers Penn State, right, Chris, on Wednesday. Depending on when they're hearing us, they probably already know the Tuesday results, but if you're hearing us midweek, Wednesday night, Rutgers Penn State, 7 Eastern time. Very interesting for both teams, right? Yeah, Rutgers has still has to win a game against a quality opponent on the road. And Penn State lost two games in a row. And, yeah, they're still on that four line. But if they lose to Rutgers, you know, when we talk about Iowa State and Michigan are two teams who are right there kind of chasing the Nittany Lions on that front and, you know, in terms of the Big Ten race because there's a big log jam for, for second place behind Maryland, you know, Penn State's got to win that game to kind of keep Iowa and Michigan State at bay, you know, after they play on Tuesday night. All right, so we'll keep an eye on that is was there another game, another non top twenty five game on Wednesday that you've got your eyes on uh, as well? Yes, LSU plays at Florida, and of course these teams seem to play classic games that go to overtime or to the very last minute. <laughs> so you want to keep an eye on that one, especially with both teams in that eight nine range, and you know a nice, you know for Florida it would pro- it might end up being a quad one win because LSU's not quite in the top thirty right now. Um, LSU definitely would be if they actually won in Gainesville. So that's going to be a very interesting one coming up, especially when LSU and Florida are still in the race to chase Kentucky down and get a get a bye to the quarterfinals in the SEC tournament. And to your point, Florida thought they had tied the game in Baton Rouge on a last-second inbound, but as it turns out, they didn't get the shot off before the red light was on. Game over, nope. LSU wins by two, but you're right. Uh, they played a lot of wild games. And give LSU credit. They went to Columbia, South Carolina, fighting for their NCAA existence right now. And LSU won that game, bouncing back from the Kentucky loss uh, at home. They won that game on the weekend. Now they got to go play the Gators in Gainesville. So we'll have an eye on that as well on Wednesday. All right, I believe that we are ready. This is what the man does. He blogs the bracket. He takes a look at the teams that are worthy or not worthy. Let's go. Who's in, in or out, out for the big dance in March? Yes, indeed. He's got them lined up. In fact, he's already made mention of at least one of these teams. Let's start right there with the NC State Wolfpack. Again, depending on what they did or didn't do with North Carolina, are they in or out, Chris? If they lose to North Carolina, they're out because that would be their that would be their fourth quadrant three loss. And, yeah, they have some really nice wins beating Duke at home, beating Wisconsin at home. Uh, you know, have some a couple of decent wins on the road, Virginia and UNC Greensboro. 
But honestly, their their nets at fifty three. They, they lose to North Carolina. That's going to drop it a little bit further down, and then we'll be five and six on the road, and that's going to be a major red flag, I think, for the committee. But if they beat Carolina, completely different story. I think they're going to be okay for at least a few more days. All right, we saw a Monday night win for Texas over West Virginia. Shaka Smart and the Longhorns in or out right now? Still out. Actually, they're not even in my first eight out group. Mm. That's how tightly packed things are. They're the ninth team out right now. Their worst loss is against 83rd ranked Iowa State on the road. They have three quad one wins, but only you know one of those is over a team in the field that game against West Virginia last night. So they still have a little more work to do. Uh, you know, their nets at sixty six. They have a pretty decent strength of schedule. They're going to have to win a few more games, though, I think, to really kind of get back up there into actual legitimate bubble conversation. But they're back on the radar after last after Monday night. There you go. And by the way, I just always say this. He hates your team. No matter who they are, he has them out. He hates your team. He's Chris Daubertine. Uh, by the way, Texas will play at Texas Tech on Saturday on Leap Day, and that one is enormous. 11 a.m. local start in Lubbock, because if Texas finds a way to win that, that's a humongous road win against a top-20 mm-hmm. net team. So, let, But again, saying it and doing it are two different things. We continue on in or out. Providence Friars, they've won a couple of important games recently. They're not playing midweek. Next game is Saturday with Villanova at the moment. Providence in or out, Chris? I have Providence in and pretty solidly in as a 10 seed. Yeah, they have four bad losses, three quad three losses and a quad four loss, all from early in the season. But you compare that, they're seven and eight in quad one games. And all and pretty much all those wins are over really strong teams. They have a win over Creighton. They beat Butler and Marquette on the road. They've beaten Seton Hall at home. And they, you know, they swept Marquette. So right there, that's five wins against teams in the top 30. They, I think, yeah, you kind of worry about those losses early on, but they have really pulled things together late, and I think they're going to end up probably pretty solidly in the field when all is said and done. They lost to a Long Beach team that's 290 in the net right now on a neutral floor in Anaheim. They're going to be a really good test case, Ed Cooley's bunch, on, on how much do you weigh a team down, put the anchor around their neck for three or four bad losses versus yeah. them having seven, eight, nine good wins. That's your point, right? Exactly. And, yeah, there's a few other teams like that. I mean, Kentucky has the absolute worst loss that teams been able to pick up out of teams in the large pool, losing to Evansville, who's been pretty much hapless in the Missouri Valley Conference. But, you know, they're looking at a four seed right now. Very true, and, and we keep talking about South Carolina, which has which has a loss at home to Stetson, a loss at home to Boston University, but also has a win at Virginia and a win over Kentucky. So again, it's kind of the same thing. What do you like more? What do you weigh more? And, and uh, South Carolina doesn't have near the number of quality wins that Providence has, so I understand that yeah. argument. One more, and this leads to a team that is playing on Thursday night, and it is UCLA that suddenly has legs, has life here in February in or out at this moment, Chris Daubertine? They're out, but they're actually closer than Texas is despite being worse than the Nets um, and having a couple bad losses they've lost. They lost to Hofstra at home early. We talk about losing to Big West teams like Providence, losing to Long Beach State. They lost The Bruins lost to Cal State Fullerton at home um, on December the 28th. They've also lost to Washington State. They lost to North Carolina and Las Vegas. But they've really kind of gotten things together in Pac-12 play. They're threatening for the Pac-12 title. That you know, they play Arizona and Arizona State at home this week and can really put themselves in position to be the number one seed in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. Amazing, you know, already beaten, amazing what you just said. Yes, <laughs> and they've already beaten Arizona in Tucson and they swept Colorado, winning in Boulder on Saturday very impressively. So this is a squad that, yeah, is definitely back in the thick of it with a 5-5 five and five record in quad one games. They're not quite in there yet, but if they sweep the Arizona schools this week, they're going to definitely have a real case to be in the field uh, come next Tuesday. 
Yeah, they they at one point were three and four in the Pac-12. Now, as you mentioned, they've won five games in a row, could still be the number one seed at the Pac-12 tournament in Las Vegas, depending. And again, uh, depending on when you're hearing us, you're probably in the preview mode here. Arizona State is the opponent Thursday night late, 8 uh, primetime at Poly Pavilion, 11 Eastern time. And they follow that with Arizona Saturday night, 7 Pacific time, Saturday night. The two Arizona teams, I mean, this is going to greatly shape UCLA's argument if they win one or both of those, it, it, especially the Arizona game. Arizona's top 10 in the net, if they can get that one Saturday night, right? Yeah, yeah. and Arizona State is the last team that the Bruins lost to on February the 6th, which was not a close game at all. 18, you know, it was an 18 goal loss in Tempe, so... They're going to definitely have some revenge on their mind. And keep an eye on the two Arizona teams playing the two Southern California teams uh, in the four games that are going to take place Thursday and Saturday because it has bearing for Wildcats, Sun Devils, Bruins, and and USC hanging in there, right? Yeah, USC's just on the outside looking in after getting swept out of the Rockies this week by, uh, by Utah and Colorado. So they wrap up by hosting UCLA at the Galen Center on March the 7th. All right. So there you go, a little in and out with those different teams, with what we're going over. Uh, Chris, anything else? As, as I know you do a fantastic job of keeping everybody apprised of what games are important on the tube for the uh, the in or out purposes, the seating purposes, all midweek. They need to be honed in on bloggingthebracket.com for all of that. Anything else that we did not cover here in the midweek? I think we pretty well do it there. This week, kind of a little bit light on kind of the marquee matchups, but that only provides an opportunity for teams to kind of end up being tripped up. Well, this is true because we we often say this, uh, that the committee will look at teams and say, uh, did you win your games down the stretch of the season? Win your games. And if you stumbled two times, maybe three times, including in the conference tournament, they will point to that over and over again that you lost here, you lost here, and you lost in the conference tournament early, let's say, hypothetically. That's the reason why you're out in the cold uh, for the field of 68. We'll find out. You don't want to mess it up. You don't want to stub your toe. Some fascinating games to watch. Uh, Again, follow him at Chris Dobertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N. You can follow on the SB Nation College Basketball uh, website, uh, SB Nation CBB uh, as well. And uh, they can find you at bloggingthebracket.com, right, my friend, with all of this as it goes along ever-changing, ever-evolving. Chris, thank you. We appreciate it. Enjoy all the games. Thank you, TJ. Still to come, Matt Zimmick will be breaking down USC and the Pac-12. Again, USC and UCLA playing the Arizona schools at home Thursday night and on Saturday and on the weekend uh, here for uh, Pac-12 seeding purposes for the tournament and vying for that. Right after Matt is done talking uh, with us about that and free throw shooting and free throw awareness month, Mark Wise will be here talking some SEC basketball with me, also talking to his three wise men. So those interviews still to come here as part of college basketball coast to coast. A reminder, we are brought to you by Play Pick 6 and the mobile app. Uh, what do you know about college basketball? If you think you know a bunch it's time to prove it. Trying to show what you know by picking any six games in the college slate in a given day or night and uh, winning a great sports restaurant gift card for free to have the opportunity to do that. Just go download the Play Pick 6 app. It's in the Apple Store. It's in the Google Play Store. Go find the app by searching Play Pick 6. Sign up will take less than two or three minutes for you to be ready to go for absolutely free to pick any six games on the college slate and uh, and become the winner. Now, been touting this and it is still the case. You may play a lot of these prediction apps and games, but they don't allow you to mix and match sports. Well, that's not the case. No, 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 with Play Pick 6. If you want to pick some NBA games with your college games, right now the NHL uh, is ongoing as well. You want to pick some hockey as part of your college basketball or your NBA, mix them and match them however you want. Stay with one sport, stay with college hoops if you want, or the NBA or the NHL, but mix them and match them as well with Play Pick 6. Again, download the app, the Apple Store, the Google Play Store. 
absolutely free to play. Free, free, free. Get out of the armchair. Get off the sidelines. Show what you know. This is great for a college basketball Saturday because here's a little secret. If one of your teams loses in the early games, you pick some early games, some early evening games, etc., and one of your teams loses, you've got so many games ongoing in the Mountain and Western time zones and even Hawaii sometimes play. Pick the other games that are still out there. Pick another six and reload. Mix and match with the NBA, the NHL, late night games as well. Reload. You can do it. Uh, you can pick more than once in a day if you lose out with Play Pick 6. Again, a great sports restaurant theme gift card awaits for you. Download the app. Go to playpick6.com to find out more. Show what you know. We're headed to March and all these crazy games that will be going on. And you can participate with Play Pick 6. We do continue along. Love the inside of this man, and I got multiple reasons to talk to him, including it is Free Throw Awareness Month coming up. Welcome back to College Basketball Coast to Coast, Mr. Matt Zimmick. Good to have you. I know you've got you've added on to your duties uh, amongst uh, writing about the Wisconsin Badgers uh, for the USA Today Badger Wire site, now USC Trojans as well for the USC uh, site there for USA Today. So you've added that on. Good to have you, and, and we're almost done with February here. Well, and it's a leap year this year, TJ, so we get a 29th day of February but that doesn't deny the madness. It only delays it one day, baby. And it only delays Free Throw Awareness Month by one day. We will get there as well, and we will talk more about that uh, in a couple of moments. Okay, so we just talked with Chris Daubertine, bloggingthebracket.com, about the Pac-12 near the end of our conversation. We didn't talk a lot specifically about USC, but just follow up here in the preview mode uh, that their two games uh, upcoming here are going to be uh, very important against the two Arizona schools both on Thursday and on uh, Saturday as they get Arizona first and then get Arizona State second on the weekend. The hopes of Andy Enfield's team uh, here uh, in the stretch run because they also have UCLA to end the season as well. Absolutely. The fact that UCLA's become a good team, you know, and to a certain extent it helps USC because USC won at UCLA earlier in the season, so that win looks better. But, you know, sweeping UCLA is now going to be a much tougher proposition. And if we look at USC's profile, USC is very clearly, I mean, very clearly on the bubble, but also very clearly out. USC would not be in the tournament if if the selection was made today. USC needs, in my mind, at least, at least four wins Mm. to get in. Um, and, And so USC has three regular season games. Pac-12 tournament, I, I really do think USC needs to win these next four games to get in because um, even let's say USC does clean up against the Arizona schools and UCLA. Uh, even then, you, if USC lost its first round Pac-12 tournament game, you know, that would still be a hit. Um, so you know, I, I, could, I could see USC getting in with three wins, absolute minimum, but I think USC is probably going to need four. And so if USC, you know, won all three of these upcoming regular season games, the Arizona schools and UCLA are at home. So, you know, USC doesn't have to play a true road game again this season. Uh, if the Trojans can win those three and then win their first round Pac-12 tournament game, okay, then, then, then they look pretty good for a bit. But anything less, it's going to be a long wait on Selection Sunday. So I'll, I'll rephrase. I'll walk back the four-win four comment, but USC absolutely, zero doubt about it, needs to find three wins before Selection Sunday to have a real chance. Yeah, and I, I would agree it's at least three, and it, might, and it might be four. We don't know for sure what the committee's thinking. The, the important one is the next one, which is the Arizona game Thursday night, depending on when you're hearing us, because they're number seven in the net right now, so it's an opportunity to get a top-ten win against an Arizona team that beat them back a couple of weeks ago uh, in Tucson. Then Arizona State is very much a bubble team. UCLA, a lesser bubble team at the moment. But again, resumes can change as quickly as a couple of games if UCLA UCLA gets a sweep of the two Arizona schools. That's a much better opponent uh, coming for the Galen Center in the finale a week from Saturday for USC. So let's just see how that plays out as we talk a little Pac-12 basketball uh, here as part of college basketball coast-to-coast. I know you want to make mention, speaking of Wisconsin, because you've also got eyes on the Big Ten as well, Wisconsin and Michigan on Thursday night. 
Both of these teams we think right now are in and both kind of jockeying for position in the Big Ten tournament and also seeding in the NCAA tournament, right, Matt? Yeah, both teams are safely in the NCAA tournament field. I mean, with Wisconsin, you could if you were to tell me Wisconsin's a lock, I would say that's a reasonable argument, but I think that Wisconsin needs one more win to absolutely nail it down. Because remember, when we talk about locks, NCAA tournament locks at this time of year. What does that mean? It means you can lose all your remaining games and still be in the field. So, we're, you know, we still have a little bit of time left before Selection Sunday. So what that means is, let's say Wisconsin did somehow, I mean, it's not likely, of course, but let's say Wisconsin did lose all five of its remaining games, the four regular season games left, and then its first game in the Big Ten tournament. Would Wisconsin be 100% safe, keeping in mind that one of those five games would be against Northwestern? Yep. Not quite. So I would say Wisconsin gets one more win. You know, really, if Wisconsin beats Northwestern at home, you know, which should be a layup, but Wisconsin has to has to go out and do that, then Wisconsin's a lock, but not just yet. But, I mean, Wisconsin and Michigan should both – be safely in. The, the, here's the key part of that Wisconsin-Michigan game beyond the Big Ten standings and fighting for double buys at the Big Ten tournament. Wisconsin's offense has gotten into a groove, but Wisconsin has played a lot of home games recently. It's been the cushiest part of the Badgers' schedule. To their credit, they've made full use of it. But nevertheless, now Wisconsin goes on the road, and Michigan's been playing lockdown defense the past few games uh, against Rutgers and then over the weekend against Purdue. So this is a this, Michigan will provide a great test for Wisconsin's rapidly improving offense. If Wisconsin can score 70 at Michigan, win or lose, that will tell me that Wisconsin's offense is substantially better than what it was at the end of January when this team uh, looked like a, a, a true bubble team and it, its season was in doubt. Again, speaking of the Badgers, this is the first meeting with Michigan. It's a rematch with Minnesota on the weekend. Minnesota beat them in Minneapolis earlier in the year. And then, as Matt mentioned, Northwestern at home cannot lose that game. Northwestern 177 in the net right now. Got to win that one. And then at Indiana, who is also vying for an at-large spot, one of the last teams in or out, depending on your bracket, and your bracketologist, take a look at that one. That's how Wisconsin will finish, and it starts with the Michigan game on Thursday night. Love talking with Matt Zimmick. Follow him at Matt Zimmick on Twitter, uh, Z-E-M-E-K, Matt Zimmick, uh, for the insight not just here on what we're talking about with USC, uh, but also Wisconsin and anything else that's going on with college hoops. And that includes free throw awareness, my friend. we got to have some good free throw awareness. My God, did Arizona... Uh, Saturday night with that game with Oregon have total meltdown and lack of free throw awareness at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime, Matt. Yeah, so for those who aren't aware with free throw awareness month terminology, uh, when we get into March, we have two particular emergency uh, <laughs> locations for people to go to when, when they are anxious and scared. Uh, so that you can better equip yourself for this important month of the year. One Essentially is, like panic rooms, like panic rooms you're talking about. Yes, Go ahead, yes. yes. We have two locations. One is the Free Throw Awareness Month Crisis Center. That is <laughs> the, the, the final two minutes Final two minutes of a close March game. Both teams' fates are on the line. So, that, so a two-team situation is a crisis center, but a one-team situation specific to a, an individual localized community is the free throw awareness month trauma unit. Oh. And Arizona was living <laughs> in its trauma unit against Oregon this past Saturday, Josh green in a tie game with two seconds left in regulation. He had two free throws, two chances to win the game and beat Oregon uh, to give Arizona the, the PAC 12 conference lead uh, two chances. And he went over two. And then with one second left in overtime, Christian Coloco, uh, was fouled, down one, yep. two free throws, two chances to at least tie the game, and, of course, a chance to win the game if he had made both. 0 for 2. So Arizona went 0 for 4 in the final two seconds of either regulation or overtime. That is why you and your family need to be prepared 
for National Free Throw Awareness Month. This message brought to you by the American Free Throw Advisory Board. And you could find out more about what we're joking about. We got t-shirts and everything about Free Throw Awareness Month. Go to FT Awareness on Twitter. That's the social media handle. Also use the hashtag uh, FT Awareness Month where we're tweeting about this. Uh, but it was an amazing turn of events at the end of the Oregon, uh, Arizona overtime because Oregon scored in the final two seconds, like you mentioned, on kind of a broken play on a putback. Um, uh, and then, uh, Arizona calls the timeout and throws the length of the floor pass. And that's when the Arizona player got fouled catching the length of the floor pass. One to tie, two to win. He makes neither at home with the crowd quiet. Wow. Uh, you got to have better free throw awareness than that. And and real quick, by the way, we make mention of this late in the year. Who are the good free throw shooting teams or not? Who's getting the job done for free throw awareness month? Let's uh, let's look at the top. In the top five, Kentucky is fifth. On the power five schools, Kentucky is the best free throw shooting team of any of the power six, really, if you want to include the Big East. 79%. Who had that, mind you, Matt Zimmick? The Kentucky would be up there. Next in the Power Six, Villanova is 10th. Georgetown, 13th in foul shooting. LSU, 15th. Uh, Oklahoma, 20th. Wisconsin, 22nd uh, in free throw shooting. Uh, uh, right now amongst the top 25 teams. Uh, any any comments there on that, including Calipari's team has just been ice water uh, with the right guys at the line in the crucial situations? You know, the thing, the thing about Kentucky is that the Kentucky has suffered at the foul line in each of the last two NCAA tournaments. You might remember in particular in 2018 when the South region blew up and, uh, the, the last four teams in the South regionals in Atlanta were Kentucky, Kansas State, Nevada, and Loyola of Chicago, a five seed, a seven seed, a nine seed, and an 11 seed. So Kentucky was not very good in that regular season. Kentucky was a five seed, but Kentucky entered the South Regionals as the highest seeded team left uh, in the regional. So so Kentucky had a great chance to make another one of those dark horse final four runs. Forget about a great chance. Forget about a great chance. The red carpet was rolled out, my friend, for them to be in San Antonio, and they botched it in part because of foul shooting. Yeah, P.J. Washington just kept missing free throw after free throw after free throw and lost to Kansas State. And, And so, you know, Kentucky's dream died. So to see Kentucky... Uh, have this turnabout it's really rather remarkable to watch yeah no doubt and again some of the bottom schools north carolina awful season they're 304 in free throw shooting right now among the power schools rutgers vying for an ncaa tournament bid they're 318 right now in the big 10 on free throw shooting at 65 percent a game uh west virginia has lost five of six they're 64 percent 63.7 percent at the line that's awful south carolina uh, who we're going to talk more about with Mark Wise in a few minutes. They are 345 right now. 345 is a good time of day in the afternoon. 345 is not a good free throw shooting rank at 61.8% for South Carolina. you got to be better at the stripe. Uh, at FT Awareness uh, for the free throw awareness uh, Twitter handle. Hashtag FT Awareness Month that we're using. Uh, what is it? Friends don't let friends what? Miss front ends. Yeah, friends better not let friends miss front ends at the end of games. Uh, that's for sure. So we've got the T-shirts that are available. You can go to T-Public, T-E-E, T-Public.com. Search for the Free Throw Awareness T-shirts. We're putting them out on social media as well in your favorite school's colors. Who will shoot them well? Who will not? You could win some wagers right now on Kentucky being the best team of the power conference teams in all of America at free throw shooting. You could do that, by the way. Love this guy's insight. Matt Zimmick, uh, we always love uh, hearing from you, reading you uh, as well. The USA Today uh, USC website, the USA Today Wisconsin website. You're always with me on college basketball coast-to-coast coverage. Enjoy the games this weekend, my friend. It's going to be interesting as we head towards March. Well, the thing to remember, TJ, is that when we tell you to be prepared for Free Throw Awareness Month, we encourage you to stock up on goosenecks, but we're not talking about beers. We're talking about proper free throw shooting techniques.
As promised, he's been having traveling fun. He's trying to get there. He will get there to Columbia, South Carolina, whether it's a plane, a train, an automobile, whether he's jogging, <laughs> I don't know which. Mark Wise will be there for South Carolina, Georgia, Wednesday night on the SEC Network. He's here with us now on College Basketball Coast to Coast. This time of year, you just got to be ready for the travel delays, the flight delays, the mayhem, the people, the rebookings, the right. missed connections. Right. It's just part of it, Coach. It's part of get ready for the madness of March, right? You know, TJ, it's interesting because in the month of January, my four Saturdays were three of them to Wichita State and the other one to Tulsa, and I didn't hit winter on any of the four of them. And yet, as we get toward (laughs) March, the unpredictability, and uh, today's a great example where a a weather delay turns into a mechanical issue, Uh... and now we're on a missed flight, a missed connection, so... I got to figure out where to eat here in the Atlanta airport. There you go. Today. Do what you got to do. Go find the Bojangles or the Varsity or one of those there in the old Hartsfield Airport. And luckily, he will not be in the back of a pickup truck with the hogs trying to get trying to get to wherever <laughs> in the in the South. All right, so let's get into uh, some of what's going on here. I asked Chris Dobertine about this from bloggingthebracket.com, so I'm asking you about this. Did, in your mind, Gonzaga's loss or San Diego State's loss uh, take them out of the number one conversation for number one seeds as it stands right now? What's your opinion on, and in particular, San Diego State losing at home to an unranked team Again, BYU is a ranked team that beat Gonzaga in Provo. Did he, did that cost either one of them right now in your mind a one seed? Well, no, and for the very reason that you just mentioned, uh, the Zag loss is more than acceptable. I mean, BYU, I don't think a lot of people know how good BYU is, especially on the offensive end. They're the leading three-point shooting team in the country. I mean, the job that they've done there and uh, they're in. I mean, they're they're going to be a factor in the NCAA tournament. There's a lot to like about the Cougars. The one that would concern me much more is the San Diego State loss, losing at home to UNLV. So uh, I've been a big San Diego State proponent all season long. That has not changed. Malachi Flynn has had a great year as the transfer senior point guard from Washington State. But, um, you know, at this point in time when you're dividing um, – hairs or splitting hairs in terms of deciding who's going to get a number one seed you cannot have a red mark on your resume and certainly the Aztecs picked one up with that home loss yeah they did and uh, it's still it's fascinating about okay if San Diego State drops off of the one line could they be a two seed in the west hypothetically maybe with Gonzaga Or vice versa, could uh, could San Diego State win out, Gonzaga maybe lose a game, and could they both be in the West Regional as a one and a two? We'll see. We'll see how that part uh, plays out. But it's it's a great reminder of what month is coming because uh, those were those were dramatic games Saturday night, in particular for San Diego State, winning twenty six in a row to start the year, favored by double figures at home, and UNLV stared them down and punched them right in the nose in that game and found a way to beat them. Yeah, and, they played. Yeah, they played uphill the entire game. Uh, they just never could get over the hump. They made several runs in that game. And really, the Gonzaga game was much the same way. I mean, BYU was the better team. Now, the one thing that I'm going to keep my eye on with Gonzaga is the health of Killian Tilly. And I know he played the other night. But they're going to need to have all hands on deck if they want to make another deep run into the NCAA tournament. Well, and they they obviously have great guard play uh, as well, so uh, can shoot the three point shot. They are legit, no doubt about that for for Gonzaga um, as well. All right, so we swing from the West, the West Coast Conference, the Mountain West, and those uh, schools. Let's come all the way back to the Southeastern Conference that you will be working. Since we talked to you last, we've seen some results. We saw South Carolina fall at home to LSU. We saw Florida go to Kentucky. They played tough. They didn't win the game. Uh, we still have Alabama contending. We still have Texas A&M contending. We still have Arkansas contending. Uh, so we, we're watching here midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday right. for these games, Mark Wise. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> if you look at any bracketologist and you look at their first four out, next four out, or the next four out, uh, there are SEC teams littered on each of those lists. So, 
whether you're talking about Mississippi State, Arkansas, Alabama, South Carolina, I mean, the, 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 the point for them right now is to win games. I don't care which games it is. You've just got to win games, and you cannot lose the wrong games. I think of those four schools, I still think Mississippi State is in the best shape or the best or the closest to getting inside the bubble. But these teams are going to play each yep. other down the stretch. Yep. So they, it's almost like these games become Dayton-esque games in the Southeastern Conference. Kind of like de facto elimination games, in a way, before the conference tournament. Yep. To your point, Alabama at Mississippi State on Tuesday Huge. night. All Huge. right, We saw South Carolina fall to Mississippi State in Starkville last Wednesday. You worked the game. South Carolina and Mississippi State still play each other in another week, next week, midweek. But South Carolina's playing Georgia Wednesday, and then guess who? Playing Alabama on the weekend. So essentially that round robin of Alabama, Mississippi State, and South Carolina, three teams probably vying for one spot, depending on who beats who. I think it's almost like in in the old AAU days, these four schools are almost in a pool play together. And whichever one is going to come out on top. Now, I say that, remember this, TJ, and, and you and I have been discussing this for about a month now. I think there will be more emphasis on conference tournaments this year than ever before. Why? Because it could be this the, the one separator between what team gets in and what team does not. Yeah, another head-to-head win, hypothetically, by, let's say, an Alabama over a Mississippi State or by a Mississippi State over a South Carolina. If they split, that that hypothetical win on a neutral floor could be that difference yep. that you are talking about. I promise we will get to three wise men in a couple of moments. Uh, you also have been working a lot of American Conference uh, basketball as well. Right now, Not forget about other bracketologists, Lenardi, our friend right. Mike DeCourcy, and others. Do you have three? Do you have four American teams in? Do you have three American teams in? You, you've been gauging this league now for about eight, nine weeks. Do they have three comfortably in? Do they have a fourth maybe in? Well, when you say the word comfortably, they have one comfortably mm. in, and that's Houston. Wichita State uh, has been sliding the last couple of weeks. Cincinnati is right on the fulcrum uh, of getting in or not. Um, so, again, I think they're going to end up with three bids, but it's going to be really close at the end. And then I haven't even mentioned Tulsa, which is where I go on Saturday. If Tulsa wins Tuesday night at home, uh, uh, it's unbelievable to me that Tulsa will be tied atop the American Conference. I think the voting is already in. I think Frank Hayes is the coach of the year in the American, regardless of what happens down the stretch. Now, remember this, even if Tulsa wins twice in their two home games this week, they have a tough finish next week at Temple. And then that last game of the regular season, Tulsa at Wichita State, keep your eye on that game. Well, and, and right now for the Golden Hurricane, we've, we've said this before. I mean, it's great if they end up winning the American Conference or tying for the American Conference regular season title. That doesn't mean a whole lot, if anything, in that committee room. Their net ranking Correct. is 81 right now, and it's which teams did you beat in the conference. So you basically have to hold serve with Tulane on that Tuesday night game. They should win it. You probably already know that result if you're listening to us midweek, uh, Tulsa-Tulane. You're then working the Tulsa-UCF game, which again, right. they got to hold serve, Mark Wise, because before you ever get to Temple at Temple and Wichita State at Wichita State, you can't slip up and lose those other games that's your point yeah i think very much so that tulsa's on the outside looking in and if they want to get in the bubble conversation i think they've got to run the table they've got to win all four and that may not be enough because of the um high number that that their net is on currently right now but this tulsa team there's a lot to like brandon rochelle one of the more un Underrated players, the transfer from LSU. Martin Zigbanu has been moved to the bench, and he has flourished. He's been dynamite. He's probably going to get my vote. He or Caleb Mills from Houston for sixth man of the conference. So there's a lot to like there. They play that matchup zone. They're, they're really hard to score against. And when they make enough shots, whether you're talking about Rochelle or Jer- Jeriah Horn, 
uh, Martin Zigbanu, Elijah Joyner. I mean, when they make enough shots, they could be a tough out. So, again, it's now they're playing for positioning, seeding uh, in the conference conference tournament, and hopefully they, from the Tulsa perspective, they can make a run there. And, again, they've got quality wins at home on that home floor right now, including the last second three-pointer to, uh, three-pointer to beat Wichita State on February 1st. They began February with that win. Now they'll, they'll end the regular season in Wichita, Will Tulsa. So we're even talking a little Tulsa time here, a little American conference here as part of our conversation with Mark Wise. And that leads us to the fun stuff. Oh, yes, indeed. We're ready with the three wise men. These can be players. These can be coaches. These can be administrators, athletic directors, former coaches, broadcasters, whomever, travel agents that are helping him get to his next stop. Whoever Mark (laughs) designates is part of three wise men. Uh, I believe you want to begin with the women's game once again. We are not, uh, we, we are not immune. We are not. Uh, those that don't pay attention to the women's game, what do you got right now on a wise man or woman? Well, you just cannot um, leave off any um, discussion about three wise men or three wise women uh, this week without talking about Sabrina Ionescu, the outstanding Oregon player who, you know, on the same day that she spoke in the the Kobe Bryant eulogy, uh, got the 1,000 rebounds of her career, which puts her in such rare air, 2,000 career points, 1,000 assists, 1,000 rebounds. She's the player of the year on the women's side of the game. I don't think there's any question about it from this season. So she is wise woman number one. Yeah, I love that. And uh, and again, Oregon is is one of the favorites. South Carolina has had a tremendous women's season. Uh, you know, for so many years, just as a quick side comment before we continue on the three wise men, we kept talking about UConn beats the crap out of everybody. They've won sixty in a row, seventy in a row, eighty in a row. Now right. you know, now here we go in twenty twenty. You've got some teams that are as good as or better than UConn. Oregon is one. South Carolina is another one. There's probably a couple of others that can mix it up with the Huskies too. That's not a bad thing, Mark. Wise, it's not a bad thing for the competition. They've caught up in some regards. Not at, not at all. And how about the job that Don Staley has done at South Carolina? You know they're regularly drawing to ten thousand plus yeah. for home games. So um, yeah, the women's game uh, is no longer UConn and everybody else. Yeah, and and by the way, whether you mentioned AAU earlier, whether we're talking AAU, the rec league, or whatever, twenty six and one is twenty six and one, which is what South Carolina is <laughs> yeah, on the women's right. game. Give them credit. All right, wise man number two. I think you want to go to the letters B Y U again. <laughs> well, we talked about BYU beating. Gonzaga, but that's not a one-trick pony. That's not a one-time thing. BYU has been dynamite all season long. Now, remember, they played without Childs their first nine, ten games, uh, serving the NCAA suspension, which was ridiculous in nature. Uh, but Mark Pope is wise man number two with the way he, that he's got that team playing. I mentioned their three-point prowess. They're the best three-point field goal shooting team in the country. Uh, they've got age on their side. They're an older team. They're they're seasoned, and Mark Pope has had a fabulous first year in Provo. And and again, that Marriott Center that uh, people don't realize it seats twenty one thousand. That student section is behind the one end that has about six or seven thousand students in it, going bonkers. Uh, it is quite the atmosphere for the Cougars and the job uh, that they do. All right, let's wrap up the three wise men, and you want to go. Uh, you want to go into the Sun Belt Conference. We'll be talking Sun Belt and Sun Belt Tournament before uh, much longer here as part of our live coverage on TuneIn uh, of the Sun Belt Conference Championship and Championship Game. And you're going a little Sun Belt here on Three Wise Men. Well, Little Rock a year ago won 10 games. They had hired as a new head coach, Daryl Walker. They struggled a year ago, but uh, they have certainly flipped the script this year. They're two games ahead with three to go in the Sun Belt, and they play two games at home this weekend against the Louisianas. If they win those two games against Monroe and Lafayette, then they will clinch the Sun Belt title and the NIT berth that comes with it. Now they'll want more. They'll try to win the tournament as well and gather the NCAA tournament berth. 
But what a turnaround in year two for head coach Daryl Walker, wise man number three. Well, and and let's give credit where it's due because we were there. We were there in New Orleans when Little Rock won the Sun Belt Championship uh, that year that Chris Beard right. broke his hand at halftime during the, the halftime speech trying to fire his team up. And then suddenly uh, Beard was on the fast track uh, to end up getting the Texas Tech job uh, after that. Little Rock had a rough season a year ago. Are you ready for a stat, Mark Wise, to piggyback <laughs> on your on your wise man number three? How about, how about the Little Rock Trojans are one of two teams. The other one will give a shout-out. It is college basketball coast-to-coast. We'll give a shout-out to Merrimack. Merrimack in the Northeast Conference and Little Rock in the Sunbelt Conference are the only two teams, how about this stat, that were picked 11th or worse in their conference yet are leading in the final week in February in the league. So congrats for what it's worth. It's not a title yet, but congrats to Merrimack and to Little Rock because no Nobody believed in either one of them in their own league, and they're both winning uh, right now. Uh, Little Rock, as you mentioned, too clear in the Sun Belt with, uh, uh, with now three games remaining uh, there in the regular season before they play the Sun Belt Championship in New Orleans at the Smoothie King Center coming on championship uh, weekend. All right, there we go. There's the three wise men. I know you got to get on an airplane here shortly. South Carolina, Georgia, correct, midweek, and then Tulsa time on Saturday. Saturday. Tell me more again, right? Yeah, it's my first look this year live at Anthony Edwards and everybody. Most mock drafts that you look at have Edwards either one or two. So I'm anxious to see him play. And of course, with South Carolina trying to stay on the bubble, it they just cannot afford to lose this game. Tulsa, uh, they're trying to stay abreast with uh, Cincinnati and Houston on top of the American, so looking forward to that as well. Should be a lot of fun, and again, the round robin of the SEC. You may already know the result of the Alabama-Mississippi State game Tuesday night, Mark's game. Again, South Carolina and Georgia, they're trying to protect their spot. South Carolina-Alabama on the weekend. South Carolina hosting Mississippi State midweek next week. Again, grudge, grudge situation. Yes. Yeah, big time on that. Listen, <laughs> do well with the travel. Coach, I always love breaking it down with you on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Have a great call on South Carolina and Georgia midweek on the SEC Network. Tulane, or I'm sorry, Tulsa uh, against Tulane midweek. Then UCF Saturday. Tulsa, UCF Saturday on the ESPN Family of Networks. Coach, have a great call on both of those. Be safe. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, TJ. And there we go. That will do it. Love the inside of Mark Wise working those games for the SEC Network and for ESPN. Thanks also to Matt Zimmick with me as well, uh, working uh, hard on those USA Today websites for both the USC Trojans, the Trojan Wire, and the Wisconsin Badgers on Badger Wire. Chris Dobertine also with me, bloggingthebracket.com. Love the analysis and the inside of Chris as well. All of our guests here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. I am merely TJ Reeves. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find the podcast. Find us here as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast on the search. We're marching to march. It won't be long now. We thank you for being with us. Enjoy the games on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Bye.